Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 15th of July, 2020. Your perspective has a great effect on your attitude. There's just no other way around it. Even you think about that word perspective, you, you see the that root in there, spect, you think of spectacles or spectators, people that are watching, people that are looking, the, the things you wear on your eyes to help you see. Even one definition of perspective is your point of view. The things that you focus on, the things that you are looking at will affect your life, will affect your attitude. There's There's just no other way around it. And we could all think of times in our lives where we were having a hard time, having a rough go of it, and something came along not to change our circumstances, but to change our perspective. Maybe it was a conversation with a friend. Maybe it was spending time in prayer and in God's word. Or maybe you just started to stop thinking as much about the, the hard things that were going on and thought about the, the good things and the blessings that were still in your life that God had given to you. And so we all know that sometimes it's not a change of circumstance that we need. It's a change of perspective. Well, what we're going to see in God's word today is the ultimate perspective And we're going to see that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Yesterday in Ephesians, we saw this amazing sentence, Paul talking about all that we have in Christ, who he says, who who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So God, the father in Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I think Paul understands that his readers will oftentimes forget all that they have in Christ. And so that's where we pick up today, verse 15. Really what we're reading is a prayer that Paul has for the church at Ephesus. He's saying that, you know, when he's heard of all that's going on with them in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he says what the prayer is in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And then verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, that's the phrase I want us to focus on there, right? The eyes of your heart enlightened. We want to open up the eyes of your heart. We want your perspective to be changed. The thing that your heart is seeing, that's what we want to be affected. And then he's going to go on to say, these are three things that I want your heart, the eyes of your heart to see. And I want us to take note of those three things today. First, it says that you may know... Number one, what is the hope to which he has called you? What is the hope to which he has called you? As Christians, we should be people of hope. We think of the language of 1 Peter where it describes it as a living hope that is imperishable, undefiled, and it's waiting for us in heaven. It's reserved for us. We have a hope for the future. 
Again, I've been thinking about that verse from the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, a lot recently when it's talking about all these blessings that we have. And it says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And ultimately, we know that that hope ends for us in heaven, that we have an eternity to look forward to in the presence of Christ in a perfect world with perfect bodies, enjoying the perfection that that was God's original design and enjoying the glory of the Lord as the best and the greatest thing. However, I, I don't think that hope is limited even just to eternity, that every day as Christians, we have hope based on the fact that we know God is good and God will not cease to be good. So I have bright hope for tomorrow, not just in a heavenly tomorrow, but even in tomorrow on this earth, because I know who God is and I know what he is going to be like. And I know that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's the first thing he wants us to see, that the hope to which we have called. That The second is, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That if you are a Christian, you are set apart and now you share in the inheritance that belongs to Christ. And he describes it as gloriously rich. Again, time after time, I think the Apostle Paul is concerned. He, he's, well, I should say he's never concerned that we are too aware of all that we have in Christ. He's constantly concerned that we aren't aware enough, that we aren't thinking enough about the glorious riches of the inheritance. I mean, think about your financial situation right now. I don't know what it's like for you. Maybe it's, it's, it's good. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's pretty tight. I don't know. But if you knew you had an inheritance coming and later this year, you were going to get $10 million as an inheritance, what perspective do you think that would give to any financial problems you're having right now? You'd probably have, well, hey, there might be some tough things in the meantime, but hey, I'm not stressed because I know what's coming. A, A gloriously rich inheritance. As believers, we might have some tough things we have to face in this earth, but we know what is coming for us, a gloriously rich inheritance. So even those first two, I do think the hope and the inheritance do put our thoughts on eternity, which is so important for us as believers to remember that this life is not all that there is, that we are living for something so much bigger and so much longer. But in the meantime, there's the third thing that he prays that they would be able to see with the eyes of their heart. Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And then it goes on to describe those heavenly places and the power of Christ. And it's saying that same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. So even in the meantime, while we're waiting for heaven, while we're waiting for glory, we have a power that is at work within us that he describes as immeasurably great. So great, if you want a reference point for it, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so when you find yourself thinking thoughts like this, I can't do it. Well, that might be accurate about you and your abilities, but if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ You now have this immeasurably great power at work within you. And that should give us the ability to overcome our our circumstances. And especially when we think, well, I can't do what God is wanting me to do. 
When we think about the fruit of the Spirit that we looked at recently, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things, those are things that we have the power to do through this Spirit that is at work within us. And we need this perspective so much, all the time. And even right now, especially in the year 2020, it's so easy for us to get sucked into what's going on and a virus and what do we think about that and what's going on with protests or riots or should we wear masks or are things going to open up or things going to shut down and we can get wrapped up in that. And that can be frustrating. We need to have the eyes of our heart enlightened to remember the hope to which we have called the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ and the immeasurably great power that is working within us. And that should help us even stay focused on our mission of living holy lives for the glory of God and telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. And that really, we're going to see the power that this perspective should have on us as we look at our next passage, Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 36. And this will seem somewhat familiar because this is very similar to what we see in Matthew chapter 5, known as the Beatitudes. Uh, Here a little bit differently, but you see a a big contrast where in verses 20 through 23, we, we, we see these blessings, you know, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are hungry, blessed are you who weep, But then there's these promises. Well, you're going to have the kingdom of God. You will be satisfied. You will laugh. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because great is your reward in heaven. But then the next few verses, woe to you who are rich now and you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you who, you know, you're not persecuted. Everybody's speaking well of you now. And I think with this passage, we can get caught up in, well, wait, is this saying I have to be poor and hungry and, and sad all the time? No, I don't think that's what it's saying. But the, the big idea here is there is a great reversal coming. And there's so many people for things are going so well on this earth that in eternity are not going to go well. And there's so many people that this life is not going well for them, but eternity is because they have said, my life is not about the here and now. It is about eternity. And and knowing the hope and the inheritance and the power that we have from Ephesians 1 should encourage us to think, you know what? I'm okay with being poor now. I'm okay with not having everything be, be fine now, with weeping now. I'm okay with being persecuted now because it's not about now. It is about forever. And, and that's something I don't think we can stress enough as Christians. Our problem is not that we are too heavenly minded. Even C.S. Lewis put that so well that, it, it, that that's just not true. In fact, some of the, some of us, we won't be any earthly good until we're more heavenly minded. We need this eternal perspective because gravity again is going to pull us down every day to think about the here and now. And this is one of the reasons why we need revival from the Bible. Because we need our thoughts elevated. We need our perspective shifted. We need our eyes opened to see eternity. And that will motivate us to live for Christ today and to make the sacrifices that we need to make to do so. Let's briefly comment on the Old Testament passages today. Today, we read in 1 Chronicles of a census that David took. And we see clearly that this was not a good thing. And that's hard sometimes for us to understand. Why wasn't this a good thing? It doesn't clearly explain. If you look at 1 Chronicles, we'll focus in on chapter 21. And it says, So David 
Well, sorry, let's start in verse one. It says, then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. And it's clear that what David was doing was not a good thing. And David says to Joab, the commander of the army, hey, go and take a number of the people. But we can instantly see even Joab understands this is not a good thing. He says, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not my Lord and King, all of them, my Lord's servants? Why then should my Lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king doesn't listen to Joab. And it seems that the the best idea we have when you look at commentaries is that uh, David, by numbering, especially he wasn't just numbering the people, he wanted to know how big is my army, that he was putting his confidence in the flesh, putting his confidence in himself, putting his confidence in human strength instead of trusting in God. And whatever it was, again, it's so clear that even Joab, who we see, is not always uh, the most godly guy around and even can be a guy that's tend to be more rash and violent. Even he is saying, David, don't do this. And that's a good reminder for us today to listen to our conscience, to listen to the counsel of others and to trust God, not trust in ourselves. But then we, we see the terrible consequences that David's sin has, but we also see the mercy of God in staying his hand before this angel gets to Jerusalem. And then ultimately the sacrifice David makes to thank God on what will become the site for the temple. And in chapter 22, we see David then preparing for the temple and preparing his son Solomon for this process. And that really sets us up for uh, Psalm 84. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 today. Psalm 84, 1 through 7. And, and this is a song that seems to deal with the temple. Verse 1, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Seems to be talking about a, a, a temple. And, and then, I love verse five. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Verse six, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. This valley is something that probably would have been up in the north of Israel, around where Lebanon is today. And He's saying it's that his idea of the pilgrimage, even blessed are those in whose hearts, man, they, they get excited about that journey to Zion and traveling to the temple for whatever the holy occasion was. And the people that have that in their heart, they go from strength to strength. Well, for us, it's not about worshiping in a physical place at, at, at a temple, but it is about being near to God, whether that's in prayer and his word or through fellowship with his people. And when we value those things, when the highways to Zion, when the presence of God is, is what is in our hearts, we will go from strength to strength. Just another reminder of how important our perspective is. When our perspective is on the Lord and his house and his priorities, that's when we'll be reminded of the hope that is ours, the inheritance that is ours, and the immeasurably great power that is ours all through Jesus Christ. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
Thank <laughs> you.